Pastor David already challenged us with the theme for the new year. And the theme for the new year is renew and restore. So I will start to preach a sermon series that is called Renewed by Grace. Renewed by Grace. And today we're going to talk about that God wants to renew godly methods into our life. God wants to renew godly methods into our life. The scripture that we're going to look into or look at this morning is found in Acts chapter 2. And it's basically the entire chapter, but we're going to read a few key verses. But it becomes very clear if we come to the early church that they had amazing moments with God. And the very first one that we're going to look at is in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4 says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came and rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now we're going to start to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And then right to the end of the chapter, verse 47, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now we are talking about that God wants to renew godly methods into our life. And now you might say, okay, but pastor, what are you talking about? Why? What is method? If you go into the dictionary and you look what the definition of method is, it will say a method is a systematic procedure to accomplish a goal or to accomplish something. So a method is a systematic procedure to accomplish something. A systematic procedure. So it is not just something happens by accident here. Something happens over here. Something is happening in a different area of our life. If we are talking about method, a method is something that we do systematically. A method is something that we do consistently. A method is something that we do purposefully in our life. And I believe the disciples right here in Acts chapter 2 had a moment where God showed up in their life through the Holy Spirit. Come on, they were all praying in the upper room. The Holy Spirit falls on them. They're speaking in tongues that they never learned before. They go out into the temple, into the marketplace. They started to preach and 3,000 people were added to the church that very day. We are talking about a moment with God. We are talking about something miraculous that the disciples saw in their life. A big moment, something that is extraordinary. But the idea is, that is really hard on my heart this morning, is that we, just like the disciples, we have to move from moments to methods. We have to move or migrate from moments with God and apply that into our everyday life 
so that we can establish godly methods in our life, so that we can establish godly patterns in our life. We have to move away from moments into maturity with God. And that is how we handle our everyday life. They experience God in an extraordinary way. They receive the Holy Spirit. 3,000 were added to the church. The church exploded basically, figuratively, overnight. But then is what we read later on. The method came in. They let that moment change the way that they used to do life. The moment that they had with God, they let that change their everyday life. How? Because now they devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles, to fellowship, breaking of bread, and to prayer. So the moment with God, as awesome as it was, they let that change their everyday life. Now I believe God wants to give us moments like we had last week. God wants to give us moments where we can experience him. Moments where we can feel the Holy Spirit move. Moments where the anointing comes on us and things are broken over our life. But we have to let God use those moments and work with him hand in hand to let those moments mature us so that we can establish godly methods in our life. So that we live our Christian life not just willy-nilly, not just whatever comes our way comes our way. That we now start to live our life in a systematic way that glorifies God. We have to establish godly methods in our life. We have to migrate from moments to godly methods in our life. And maybe now you're here and say, okay... But I'm still not so convinced. Why do I have to live with godly methods in my life? And the number one point that we're going to talk about is why godly methods? Why is it important? Why should we pursue godly patterns, godly methods in our life? Because the word of God brings it close to our heart. Look what it says in Proverbs 4, verse 26 through 27. Proverbs 4, 26, 27 says, Give careful thought to the path of your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. It says, give careful consideration, careful thought of how you live your life. It doesn't talk about you just live however you want and you're just going to put God a little bit into the picture. No, it says live your life carefully. Give careful thought of where you are walking, of how you are walking your life. Don't turn to the left, don't turn to the right, but keep steadfast in your ways to God and keep your feet from evil. How do we do that? By establishing godly methods. Because godly methods will keep us on the straight and narrow. Godly methods will keep us following what God wants in our life and we can come closer and closer to him. If we don't have godly methods, sooner or later we will step to the left or to the right. 
We will fall here to this side or that side. We might be swayed by our opinion or other people's opinion. We might be swayed by worldviews and ideas that come in. But if we have godly methods in our life, we can walk straight and closer and closer to God. That's why it's so important that we do have godly methods in our life. Now, I don't know if you have a drawer in your home, or if that is a German thing, but I have a drawer at home where every cable of every electronic device that I ever possessed goes into. Now, I have cables from electronic gadgets that is 15 years old. I never use it. It's thrown away already a long time ago, but I still have the cable. Because you never know if you ever or when you would need it, right? So seriously, this morning, I went to my drawer and I took about half of the cables that are inside. And this is how it looks. My German drawer in my Malaysian home. Every cable, not even all the cables, I only took a little bit out of it. The cables that I have that I probably never use again. But see, here this thing is. If I just put all the cables inside, however they come, it becomes a big mess. It's tangled up. It's everywhere. If you try to just take one cable out, you will spend a little bit of time untangling the cable that you want. It's a big mess. Why? Because I put in... Whatever comes along, I just dump it into the drawer, however it comes. And that is how the mess really starts. And I wonder if our lives are messy sometimes because we let in every thought. We let in every worldview. We let in every opinion of everyone around us into our minds, into our hearts, without really testing them if they're actually good for us. And because we are taking all these things in, worldviews, opinions, negative thoughts, negative speech, something negative people talked about us in the past, and we're just taking it in, our life can become entangled. Everything can become messy. You don't know why you feel the way that you feel. You don't know why certain things trigger and you become angry. There might be things in your life that you let in because we never tested them. We never sorted them out because we don't have a godly method of determining what we let into our life. Now only imagine if we would do that. Every thought we take captive before we let it into our hearts. And then all of a sudden, all the cables that were with a mess before, you can organize them in a godly fashion. And every thought that you now test, every cable that you put in the drawer, you determine first, do I really need it? Is it beneficial for me? Is it beneficial for my walk with God? I'm talking about cables, right? But you get, you get what I'm talking about. I'm letting the thoughts in if they benefit me and my walk with God. And all of a sudden we establish godly patterns where it's now organized, where it's now clear. And if there is an opinion, I will take the opinion. 
I will take the thought captive, think about it. Go into the word of God and see what does God say about it. And then if it's good and beneficial, I will take it and let it into my spirit, into my heart. Godly patterns. Do what you need to do to guard your heart from thoughts that want to come in that are against the word of God that are against who you are, that are bringing you down rather than building you up, that tearing you away from God a little at a time rather than propelling you closer and closer to God. If we have godly methods in our life, we can now determine what will be good and beneficial for us. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can say, you know what, I want to let in the good things. And I'm going to reject the negative things. I reject the things that draw me away from God. So why are godly methods so important? So that we can walk in a straight line closer and closer to God. That the thoughts, the, the worldviews, all that is bombarding us on a daily basis will not deter us from seeking out God more and more in our life. Jeremiah 29 verse 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. It's a promise that if we seek God with all our heart, we can find him. And that should give us hope where we say, God, I need you in my life. God, I need godly methods in my life. But it's been a while that I felt you in my life. It's been a while that I really saw you move in my life. The promise of God is that if we seek God wholeheartedly, we can find him. So stand on the word of God, on the promise to say, God, I need you and I know that I can find you because that is what your word declares. Psalm 1 verse 1 through 3. It says, blessed is the one who does not walk in the step of the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do, prospers. So if we keep the law of God in our heart, we think about it, we meditate on the word of God in our life constantly, whatever we do will be prosperous. That is the, what the word of God declares in our life. Because once we get so close to God that we do let the word of God be constantly in us and we think about the word of God, we will again live a straight line. We will live a straight life drawing closer and closer to God. And with that kind of life, God wants to bless us and prosper us. So live a godly life with godly methods so that we can pursue God and really come closer and closer to him. Now you might say, okay, pastor, yes, I am convinced. I need godly patterns in my life. I need godly methods in my life. But which, which pattern are we talking about? What methods are we talking about? And that is also found in the scripture that we read earlier. What did the disciples do 
after they experienced the outpouring of the Spirit. They devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles, to fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So if that was what was happening in the early church, and they saw people coming into the church, being added into the kingdom of God on a daily basis, those are some good methods that we should establish in our life. So I just summarized it and made the, the, the things like this. The first one where it says they devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostle is we have to study the word of God. Because that's what it basically is. Back in the day, not many people were educated. Not many people were able to read and write. So they had to go to the synagogue. They had to go to the temple. And the priest or the synagogue leader, they would open up the scripture, would read it and explain it to the people. But what they were doing is they were studying the word of God in the synagogues because they couldn't read themselves. And of course, the scripture was so rare. Not everybody had a Bible like we have today. So in our modern times today, when we are saying we devote ourselves to the teachings, means we have to study the Word of God. That's why it's so important that we take every opportunity that we have to study the Word of God. Because the Word of God is crowning us the Word of God is making us stable when we are successful. But at the same time, the Word of God is sustaining us when things go terribly wrong in our life. It's the Word of God that gives us that, that security. The Word of God is giving is, us the strength. The Word of God is the anchor that is holding us in place. If things go well or if things go terribly wrong. We need to study the Word of God. See what it says in Joshua 1 verse 8. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. And what does it say? Then you will be prosperous and successful. So if we keep the Word of God on our hearts, in our minds, if we study what the Word of God says, then God can make us prosperous and successful. So it is for our own good to dedicate ourselves to studying what the Word of God says. Besides the point that it tells you how to live your life, what is the right thing to do, what is the wrong thing to avoid, it all comes down to what does the Word of God say? And that is what we have to apply in our everyday life. So if we want godly methods in our life, we have to study the Word of God. Number B, we have to show a demonstration of love where it says that they devoted themselves to the fellowship and breaking of bread. Fellowship, breaking of bread. They were remembering by breaking of bread the Passover, the last supper that they had with Jesus, how Jesus said, I will go up on the cross. My body is now being broken for you. My blood is being spilled out for you so that you can have that relationship with God, so that you could be now re uh, come into a relationship with God again. 
they remembered the love that Jesus showed them by the sacrifice that he was about to do at the cross. At this time, already after Jesus was crucified. So they remembered the demonstration of the love of Jesus for each and every one of them. And they devoted themselves to fellowship. So there has to be a demonstration of love in our life. And we heard it last week. Jonathan brought this scripture as well, where it says in John 13, verse 35, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. By the love that we have and show for one another, people will see that we are disciples of God. That we are people who pursue God. That we are people who are meaning business with God. That we are serious people who really want God in our life. It will be demonstrated, it will be proven by the love that we show towards each other. So I hope and I pray that when people come and they look at you, they look at me, they look at us, that they will see love poured out to the people around us. Because there has to be the demonstration of love. First John 4, verse 7 and 8 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who, who loves has been born of God and knows God. We need to have love. And maybe we are falling a little bit short. Then we can come to God and say, God, give me more love. Give me patience. Give me love for the people around us so that I can really live a godly life, that I can establish godly patterns, godly methods in my life. Number C, we have to have intimate prayer. It says they devoted themselves to prayer. And we understand coming to church, worshiping God, coming for prayer meeting, going for cell group. But what about our own personal intimate time with God? We have to establish an intimate relationship with God intimate prayer. If we only pray when we come to church, if we only pray when we go to a cell group, if we only pray when people are around us, something is wrong. We have to have that intimate relationship with God, that intimate prayer time where we come before God, we pour out our heart before Him. He is near to us. And sometimes you feel God's presence so strong, right there, so tangible. But sometimes you don't feel anything. But we, in discipline, move forward, drawing closer to God in the time that we have with Him. So we have to demonstrate love. We have to passion for the Word of God. And we have to have that intimate relationship with him. And now you might say, okay, yes, I understand. I need godly methods. I know what kind, which godly methods I should have. But how can I actually do that really practically in my life? How can I establish that in my life? Number one, or A, under number three, would be we have to submit to God. We have to submit to God. What does God say about the situation that are going on in our life? What does God say about our life? 
Because we come here to church and say, God, I want to surrender myself to you. God, I want you to be in my life. Here I am. But then sometimes we have something in the back that we don't want to touch. Something that we bury deep, deep down in the back of our minds. Say, God, that one, no need to touch. But what if that is what God wants to change? What if that is exactly what God wants to put his finger on, where the Holy Spirit wants to bring a breakthrough and a change in your life? Are we willing to submit to him? See what it says in Psalm 139, 23 and 24. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. God, I'm not sure if there's anything wrong, but search me, God. Is there anything that offends you? If there's anything that is against you or against your word, God, change me. That is how we submit to God, by surrendering our everything to him, not keeping anything in our lives hidden away, stored away, and say, this one cannot be touched. We surrender our everything. That is how God can lead us closer and closer to him. We have to be willing to submit. I remember, I think I told this story before. When I was in Bible school, every summer, I would have three-month summer break. And I would go back to Germany to work in the electronic company to earn money to pay my tuition fees in Bible school. So now I would work double shift, as many shifts, graveyard shifts, because in Germany, if you're a student, full-time student, you can work as many hours as you want. So I worked all the hours that I could. Then, in my free time, I would like to play computer games, just to get my mind off work and relax, and to get my mind off Joanna, who was all the way here in Malaysia. So I was playing computer games. So they came out with a new computer game. And it was quite expensive. I think it was close to 100 euros. So now I was working as much as I could to get the money so that I could pay back my tuition fee. But then here's this computer game that I want to buy. Now I knew that I should save the money and pay back my student fees. But on the other hand, I want to buy the computer game. So I did what a good Christian would do and I went to ask for advice. I didn't ask God for advice. I didn't ask for guidance by the Holy Spirit. I went to my brother because I knew he likes computer games. So I asked him, Lars, I'm, I have this dilemma. I want to save money and pay back my tuition fee, but the computer game just came out. What should I do? Huh? And guess what his answer was? You should buy the computer game. Amen. God has spoken. That is not what submission looks like. If we go to the source that we know will be favorably to what we want to do, that is not submission. That is just looking for confirmation what we want to do anyway. True submission is surrendering to God no matter what he asks of us. Even the things that we like to hold on to, even the things that might be difficult to give up in our life. If God comes, the Holy Spirit puts his finger on something, 
Real submission looks like, God, I don't know how, but help me to change. Now, we are not pushing responsibility back to God and say, God, just transform me. That's not how it works. But we have to work with the Holy Spirit hand in hand to let him help us to submit whatever needs to be submitted to God. Amen? So we have to submit to him. Number B, how can we really do that? We have to let God help us to transform our minds. Romans 12 verse 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we don't have to transform to a pattern, to a method that the world dictates us, to a worldview that the world is pushing on us. We can say, God, I want to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So how can we really, truly, practically establish godly methods in our life? By letting God help us in renewing our mind. How do we do that? Again, by studying the Word of God. By praying. By being intimate with God. By being close to His presence. That is how He can help us change and renew our minds. Again, like I said just a little while ago, we are not pushing the responsibility back to God and say, God, just transform me. Oh, I'm not changed. I guess I'm just going to continue with what I have been doing. No, we have to go to God and say, God, I really don't know how I can give this up. I don't really don't know how I can submit. I really don't know how I can change the way that I have been living for the last 10, 15, 20 years. But if there needs to be a change, help me change. And I believe the Holy Spirit can come in and help you not take over, not miraculously transform you overnight, but help you so that you can initiate and go through the change that needs to be done. Methods, patterns are already established in our life. You have your patterns. You have your habits in your life. Maybe it's your everyday routine, getting up in the morning, waking up the kids, getting them ready for school, sending them for school, come home, cook lunch, pick up the kids. Or if you go to work, you have your habits, you have your program, you have all the things that you have to do. So your life is already a life of patterns. All that I'm saying is we have to reevaluate the patterns that we are living in and say, God, is there something that needs to change? If there is, help me establish godly patterns, godly methods, godly habits so that I can live the life that you want to live through me. And I believe the Holy Spirit is here and he wants to work in your life. So as the praise team come this morning and we all rise to our feet, we have to respond to God.